Well, I mean, first of all, I'm under no illusion that we live in an economic world. Okay, anyone that wants to deny that, deny it at your own risk. Because you'll soon enough find out that no matter how lovely your heart, now how good your intentions, how lovely your kids are, you can't pay your electricity and gas bills with it. Okay, and I don't just want to pay electricity and gas bills. I actually want to travel. I want to have the best mentors in the world. I want to have the best health care, the best medical care. I want to be able to provide for people that are around me, my family. I want to be able to make a difference in the causes that I care about. And for that, I need financial resources. So first, I don't deny something without fully understanding it. So that the realization that we live in an economic world and there is a game being played, whether we like the game or not, it's a game and you're in the game. You're in the game because as long as you're making an income, you're paying taxes and you have expenses, you're in the game. Now, you can either say, I'm in the game. I don't want to learn the game. I hate the game. No one's going to care. If you don't learn the rules of the game, you're going to lose the game. Simple as that. Or you can say, I'm going to learn the rules and I'm going to master this game because I'm in the game. Welcome to Intensify Humanity podcast. We bring the stories of ordinary human beings with extraordinary journeys. They have been grinded through life in terms of extreme challenges, guilt, shame and things people cannot even imagine. All because they made a choice or decision in life. They are literally not just inspiring but intensifying humanity through unconventional ways to such an extent that other human beings are inspired and pushed to live to their highest potential in life. I, Sundata Sarkar, your host today, will bring about the story of one such human being. I hope you find this episode inspirational. When you are put into a different culture with no awareness about who you are, why you are doing what you are doing, or having a tough financial problem at home since childhood to being the beaten up by brutally by roommates with dumb bells upon revealing information about drugs being hidden at the flat, having no food to eat at times and being broke for years to becoming the ferocious success coach, the renowned wealth expert and advisor, the best-selling author of the book, Eight Wealth Habits of Financially Successful People, and also the recently launched book, Impossible to Fail, which secured the number one position, not just in Australia and US, but also in in India as well. The multi-millennia entrepreneur, the global leader, the founder of the revolutionized movement and company known as the Successful Male, and the creator of the unconventional practical foundation success program known as the MBA of Success. Ron Malhotra is undoubtedly magnifying the lives of millions of human beings across the globe, thereby intensifying humanity to the greatest possible extent. So welcome, Ron, to this podcast, Intensify Humanity. And I'm really honored and so humbled that you, you know, we are having this discussion today here. So welcome once again. I think that was the best introduction I've ever had. It, Thank was, you. it was like a movie introduction. Thank you for thank you for welcoming me on Zoom, and I appreciate the good work that you're doing. And uh, it's a pleasure to be back on your podcast. Thank you, thank you so much, Ron. So, Ron, uh, you are all over social media, and your contribution, your work, everything is visible out there. But one thing is still lingering around people's comments or messages that you get. So, I want you first. Begin with that question. 
so that you know our listeners can get a clear idea more about it so my question to you is you are seen as a someone who is successful okay and expert in what you do but still arrogant why do you think people see you as an arrogant kind of person i don't think people see me as arrogant i think people see anyone who is sure of themselves as arrogant i think we have attached so much honor to people who diminish themselves and given them the label of being humble that the moment somebody says i actually know who i am i know what i want and i know i'm going to get it people start to see that as arrogant now, i don't see anything honorable about diminishing human beings i don't see anything honorable about diminishing myself uh, after so much education that i have done on the powers of being a human being from both a psychological perspective and a spiritual perspective i'm convinced that i'm powerful but i'm also convinced that you're powerful now i don't understand why there is a need to water down that message just so that i can have people like me as humble so i stand for what i believe now what's interesting is that over the years the number of people who label me as arrogant has reduced and because the people who have been following me for a while i think they all started off thinking well how can this guy be so sure of himself he's very audacious in the claims that he makes but then i think after one year two years three years four years five years of me constantly showing up and being consistent in not only what i say but what i produce i think people start to realize that the guy's not arrogant he actually means well so the only people now that are calling me arrogant or would you know demonstrate any types of hate or anger towards me are people who just haven't taken the time to even understand my message and they have not really gone and looked at my posts they've never been to my events never read my books never enrolled in any of our programs and decided because of the discomfort that they feel about me holding my space decided that I'm an arrogant person um hopefully if they follow me for a while i'm sure that uh, their views about that me would change as well not that i'm too concerned because they can continue to think what they want i'm here on a mission to make sure that others feel powerful as well and i'm going to continue to do that so when you say that you are sure of who you are does it imply being successful so your messages on social media are mostly about success so my question to you is what is success to you and do you think that everyone can be successful if they know who they are i think everyone can be successful 100% i mean out of all the species that are on the planet humans are the only species who can create and we're the only ones that have the, this amazing capability so i do believe that not being successful and let's define success success is the ability for an individual to design the life and lifestyle that they truly want now if you apply that definition majority of people will fail their own definition because by their own definition majority of people do not have the life and lifestyle that they truly want okay so it's not my definition it's what's your definition so half the times people won't even know what their definition of success is because they've never really sat down and reflected on the fact that this type of life and lifestyle is going to make me feel successful the other thing is there is an inherent element of fulfillment in success i mean what's the point of having external success if intrinsically you're not feeling confident you're not feeling aligned and you're not feeling fulfilled so i've never ever claimed that success can be achieved without fulfillment you want to have both extrinsic success and intrinsic success but it's interesting how many people will make the assumption the moment i talk about success that i'm only referring to material success that is a bias in their mind it's not a bias in in my mind because for me you know as anthony robin says success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure So for me I measure my success based on number 1 do I know who I am and I do number 2 do I know what I want I do 
Number three, am I able to constantly achieve what I want? And number four, how does it make me feel? So if I'm feeling fulfilled, I'm achieving what I want, I know what I want, and I know who I am, then that creates a strong feeling of confidence, power, and inner alignment through which I'm able to consistently create the life and lifestyle that I want. And that's why I'm so passionate about it, because you know, as my backstory, you know that I'm the same guy who was helpless and was powerless and frustrated and broke for so many years. And now having made, taken the leap and made the trans, transformation from that person to this person, since I have been able to do it, a person who is of average or maybe below average intelligence, below average talent, if I can do it, then certainly there's a lot of people that are far more advanced than me that they can do it as well. But uh, the thing that uh, people don't have in many cases is a belief in the precise laws in terms of there are universal laws of cause and effect. And success to me is a predictable science. I mean, the same thing, I dealt with the same thing when I came up with the title for my new book, Impossible to Fail. I had so many people say, well, it sounds like it's full of hot air, meaning that it sounds like an arrogant title. And really, well, it will sound arrogant to you if you are ignorant about how cause and effect works. I mean, don't you think that I had thought about it twice before I launched a book with the, with the title Impossible to Fail? That, hey, if I now fail publicly, what, how I'm going to embarrass myself because people are going to laugh at me and go, hang on, this guy wrote a book on Impossible to Fail and look how he's failing. Don't you think I'm aware of that? So the number of people that are in my circle, in my networks, the, the amount of influence that I have, there's a lot of people that know who I am. So if I then write a book like this, which is a pretty audacious and bold claim, and I put it in the world, and then I fail, that's going to destroy my reputation. Plus, I'm going to make a fool out of myself. Don't you think I'm aware of that? Of course, I'm aware of it. And despite that, I decided that that was an appropriate title. Why? Because such is my belief in the cause and effect principles that result in success. The way you have articulated, I'm, I'm sure people would, were hooked to this answer, especially about success and how you have actually defined what success means to you and not just to you, what it should mean to others as well. And, but my question here is, you are so well in articulation. You are so well in what you are doing right now. You are so well in what, knowing what you will do for the others as well as for yourself in life. But you were not like this, as you just mentioned the few points that you were broke, you did not have any direction and all these things. So which was the moment in your life which made you realize that you are not intensifying your life enough to live it to the full potential? What was a little bit of the backstory and when was the U-turn happened? Well, I think the U-turn happened with me getting my first mentor and my first mentor challenging me. But of course, I mean, I knew that there was a point in my life where you know, I didn't feel successful by, and by no one's definition would I meet the, even the universal or standard or most widely accepted definition of success, because how can a guy who is not confident, hasn't got financial security, hasn't got meaningful work, hasn't got peaceful peace of mind, hasn't got meaningful relationships. How can a guy like that be successful? So I didn't have any of that. So I, I, it was, there was no one moment. I mean, the, I guess the most transformational moment for me in my entire life was when I realized that I didn't know who I was, that my entire life I had worked towards an external definition of success. And as you know, that in my, by my early 30s, I had achieved that. The problem was I had achieved the extrinsic definition of success without the intrinsic uh, definition of success, meaning that I had the external trappings without the fulfillment, internal fulfillment. 
So I had to literally start again because this time I realized that successful people weren't those who had a lot of money or who had the right positions or titles of prestige. Successful people were people who had made a lot of money doing what they love and had also worked out a way to make a positive difference that they wanted to make. So once I started to understand that, I, my real education really started then because as you know, I've, I've done tertiary education. I've gone through the traditional education system. I have practical skills uh, in, 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 the, in the space that I work in. Uh, having said that, that's not really what got me to this point. It's all the self-education, the business and financial education, as well as spiritual education that got me to this point. So when you say that you already had you had degrees and then you came to this domain of real education in the world. Have you ever thought that you would write books and, you know, inspire the world by your writing? Never, because I didn't, uh, there was, I didn't have enough faith in myself to know that I would have the capabilities. I mean, I could not read a book, let alone write a book. I could not finish a certificate, let alone finish a master's degree or even pursue the idea of I'm doing my PhD. So I, was, I didn't come from an entrepreneurial background. I never saw myself as a business person, let alone being able to run four businesses uh, with uh, seven brands. So I never thought of myself as that person because the, the, you know, I, I had never understood the concept of the fact that what we create in our mind, we can create in the external world. Because majority of the world, what they do is they want you to validate your existence and identity by what's happening outside of you. Now, that's a big mistake. Because I didn't choose my circumstances in the beginning, right? But once I understood that I could influence my circumstances, and I always say that 80% of our circumstances and results are decisions, and only 20% is destiny. So I kind of feel that, you know, we have so much that we can do. The issue is this. Majority of people don't believe that they can. That's why they argue with me. They'll fight with me. They will oppose my posts and my messages. Literally, it, it doesn't make any sense how people will so emphatically and so passionately defend their limitations. It doesn't make any sense. It's almost like they want to believe that they're limited. Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you do that to your soul and spirit? Why would you not believe that you are in, in fact capable of achieving anything that you want? Apart from some physical limitations, majority of us have very few mental and emotional limitations, right? And so, you know, I don't think there is a lid on human potential. But the problem is if a person, once a person believes that they can't, they create an energetic block. And literally, the once you said, well, this is not possible for me, or this is not possible for me right now, the brain just shuts down. It is no longer awake. It is no longer looking for opportunities. It is no longer looking for possibilities because you have instructed your mind that this is not the right time. And why did you do it? Because most people are operating from past. They over-rely on their intellect. And based on that, they decide what's possible for them and what isn't. And it's a huge mistake. So what I did was instead, I chose my imagination. I decided to detach from my past. I decided that I'm not going to anchor myself to my present situation. And I'm going to decide what I really want for my future. I then held onto that vision. First, I saw it very clearly. And then I held onto it for a long period of time, entertaining it in my mind over and over again, feeling it. And even though there was nothing in my, my, my physical space that would tell me that I could become this person, I chose to believe it first. Then over a period of time, I started to notice changes in my own psychology and my physiology. My mental alertness started to go up. My cognitive capabilities started to improve. 
my ability to articulate, as he just pointed out, started to improve automatically because I had seen myself as a world-class speaker. So some of the things that started to happen within me, I couldn't even, I could not explain to anybody because I didn't consciously go and learn those skills. I started to develop those skills unconsciously and right at the right moments, at critical moments, when it was time for me to perform, I performed. So I started to really understand, well, maybe there is a part of our mind where, which is doing all of these things and we don't understand it. And that's why the first time I came across the concept of the subconscious mind and I started to really understand it. That, let me, that one thing led me to another thing from traditional psychology. I got fascinated by neuroscience, epigenetics. I started to understand that we, are, we have this amazing biochemistry and our thoughts influence, influence not just our psychology and our physiology, that our thoughts influence how we behave and therefore our results. So then I started to make the determination that all I needed to do was to master the ability of thinking what I want and not what I don't want. As simple as this concept sounds, majority of people cannot master the ability to think about only what they want and nothing else. A lot of people spend a considerable, considerable amount of their waking hours thinking about what they don't want. And therefore they act in such a way that produce the circumstances that gets them exactly what they don't want. And the whole time they blame circumstances. So if I'm going to make an audacious claim that it's impossible to fail, I'm not just making an audacious claim for me. I'm saying this is a possibility for everybody. What I'm saying then is if I've just put that out in the world and I have, you know, hopefully I'm going to live for the next 30, 40, 50 years. There's a lot of things that are going to happen in the world in the circumstances that, that I can't control. So why am I so certain that none of those things are going to affect me or certainly they'll affect me, but they're not going to break me. Well, how can I be so sure about that? Now that's not arrogance. That is understanding the power of the human spirit. That's all it is. So it's not my fault that majority of people are living in willful ignorance and defending their limitations when they really should be spending time understanding the power of the human spirit that everybody has, right? So how come I become the bad guy in this world? The guy who's actually telling you, hey, you're powerful. And how come the guys that are saying, oh no, you just need some kindness. You just need a hug and you just need some empathy. And they become the good guys. The whole time, a lot of these people are destroying the human spirit by making people feel helpless. Right? So a lot, we have to be discerning enough to know what is a good deed and what isn't. A lot of the times we let our feelings do the talking. And psychologists refer to this as cognitive distortion, but basically means we allow our feelings to de determine what facts are. So if you make me feel good for the short term, I think you're a wonderful person. Even though what you may have said to me in the long term may have destroyed my behavior capability, my confidence and my potential as an example, right? But so we have to go beyond feelings and go, well, okay, Ron may not make me feel great in the short term, but in the long term, by his approach of cutting me, polishing me and rubbing me, he's turning me into a diamond because that's exactly what I did with myself. I did the same thing with myself. I was overly sensitive about other people's opinions. I was overly concerned about what was happening around me. I was always at the mercy of other people's behaviors. Not now. Because I realized that for me to go from being this little sensitive snowflake to becoming a diamond, I had to constantly subject myself to the process of being polished, cut, and, and rubbed over and over again until I became this type of person who has mental fortitude and emotional fortitude to withstand whatever happens in the external world. Amazing, speechless. But uh, let me first 
in the next part, congratulate you for your massive success in Impossible to Fail, the book, not just only in Australia and US, but also in India for securing the number one position. So a big congratulations to you, Ron. I'm so thankful because imagine if Impossible to Fail had failed. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, related to the specific name of the book, okay, and what you have written in the book, I want to specifically ask you, what does this name really signify? Okay. And you mean to say that people who have failed in business relationships or in life, they actually have never failed. That means there is a scope for them to improve or go to the next level as well. Well, yes, because failure is determined by how we perceive it. So what is actually happening is what we call failure is an event, an event, which is either proven to be challenging. It's come as a setback and it's some sort of feedback for us. So if we didn't have the word failure, we would call it a problem, challenge, or feedback. We would say, hey, I'm going through a problem, I'm experiencing a challenge, or there's feedback that this isn't working. The moment you put the word failure, you put the label that it's a failure, guess what? You've just made it a permanent event. It wasn't a failure, it was feedback. What it was saying is, hey, this, you're being either lazy, you're either not prepared, or there's a better way to do this. Every failure is basically that. Either you were lazy, you were not prepared, or there's a better way to do this. That's all it is, right? So if I have a setback, let's just say um, my business doesn't do well and I have to shut it down. I'm not going to call it a failure. Number one, I'm going to ask myself, was I lazy? Did I absolutely do everything in my power? Fact, answer is for majority of people, they don't do everything in their power. And I'm going to relate it back to this, what's happening now with the, the COVID-19 situation. Two, was I prepared? Did I do everything to prepare for myself for it? And three, did, did I, it, it wasn't failure, it was feedback that what I'm doing, maybe my marketing model wasn't working, maybe my client generation model was not working, maybe our customer service wasn't working. So I have to be aware enough to go, something's not working and we need to pivot. So if people don't pivot, And I just believe that the universe is so friendly because it always gives you signs. First, it just gives you a gentle tap on the shoulder. And it says, hey, this is happening. Then eventually it gives you a little, you know, it gives you a little hit with a feather. Hey, this is what's happening. Wake up now. Eventually it gives you a bit of a slap. Wake up now. Then it gives you a bit of a punch. Wake up now. Right? And so we have all these cues along the way. It say, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Now, if you choose not to wake up, And the universe is saying, wake up because there's a truck coming your way. And you don't wake up because you're not thinking for yourself and you're not taking responsibility. And then the truck's going to hit you. And then what are you going to do? You're going to say, you're going to blame what? You're going to blame the economy. You're going to blame your customers. You're going to blame your industry. You're going to blame your boss. You're going to blame your colleagues, your employees, your parents, your teachers. And And this will continue to happen because you did not learn your lesson. As we know, in school, they give you the lesson first and then you are tested. In life, you're tested first and then you learn the lesson, right? So we are given so many opportunities to learn. And this is why I'm such a big fan of spending time in solitude and silence. So I can have, I can have the ability to reflect on my day and what has happened. And the moment I have a setback or a challenge, and honestly, we have some big setbacks and challenges. Sometimes when I get criticized by people, Sometimes in those heated moments, I'll tell people, you would not last two minutes in my world. 
right? Because that's how, that's how big the, those, some of those challenges are. When that a challenge hits me, I withdraw from everybody and I spend some time in self-reflection asking myself, how did I contribute to this? What could I have done better to avoid this situation? Because the lazy person's response is to just blame somebody else. That's lazy. But every time I do that, it doesn't feel good in the short term. But afterwards, I come out even more powerful because I've empowered myself by taking even greater responsibility. And everyone can do this, right? So if you want to feel powerful, take more responsibility. I think that's so powerful. It is so simple, yet so powerful. If you, when you are faced with challenges, you go into self-reflection. And yes, you talked about uh, taking responsibility. When you take the extreme ownership, you take back the power to rectify what is in your hands. When you start blaming others, then you give away the power. So thank you for sharing that. And and we've, heard the, we've heard the quote, right? We've heard the quote, with power comes responsibility, right? Yes. We've heard that. But yes. guess what? With responsibility comes power. Yes. Yes. So uh, when you mentioned that, yes, people, you get all these kind of negative uh, comments and, you know, people don't understand what you're saying. So you get lots of hate comments. Okay. And uh, there are people who say that rich people or people who are earning money should give everything for free. Whereas there are people who are, you know, always on the verge, like, if I get this for free, I will do it. So what is your take on that? So why do you think, my question is, why do you think people uh, are so full of negativity, they put hate comments and troll people? And secondly, the people who claim that the rich people or people who earn good money, they should give everything for free. So what do you take well, on that? I think it's a sense of entitlement. It's like, you know, well, you're wealthy, you're successful, you have a responsibility. Okay, I don't disagree with that but what's your responsibility, right? So, okay, I understand I have responsibility, but here's what, what's interesting. I'm not a rich guy who came from a rich family. I'm a guy who works very hard and dealt with a significant number of challenges and worked on myself and put myself in a lot of risky situations and a lot of difficult situations to get to where I am. So I did all of that. So I had all of that responsibility now I have another responsibility that as I become more successful, I have to give. Fair enough. What is your responsibility now? The person who implies that I have a responsibility to them. My question is, what is your responsibility to you and the world? So I've taken care of my responsibility. We have scholarships. We open scholarships. I give a ton of free value. We, we give donations and charities. I serve as a volunteer on not-for-profit organizations. We give money to orphanages. So we do a number of things that we can. We also support animal initiatives. So we do what we can. Now, what are you doing? Now, here's the interesting thing. When I was broke, I never looked at someone who was successful and wealthy and expected anything for free. In fact, I always felt obligated to pay them good money to get their time. I felt bad that they would give me anything extra that I haven't paid for. So I never had the sense of entitlement and that sense of entitlement is very dangerous because you, what you're saying is you deserve just purely for existing. And the person who is not just existing, but striving every day 
they don't deserve your money. You deserve their money for existing, but they don't deserve your money for striving. It, it, it just baffles my mind that the majority of people think like this and it's acceptable. And, it's, and now we attach this twisted honor to it. Like, oh, you know, you're poor, but at least you're a good, good person. So we now, we now going, okay, so you have not applied yourself. You have not taken risks. You have not upskilled yourself. And that makes you a good person. And this bastard on the other side who has worked hard, upskilled himself, taken risks is a bad person. Wow. I mean, it's incredible that people can come to these sorts of conclusions, not examine their beliefs, and feel perfectly justified in making these types of direct or indirect accusations, right? So, but guess what happens then? I feel bad for them because I know what they're defending, they're going to get to keep. Defense scarcity, you get to keep it. Defend your excuses, you get to keep them. Defend your situation, you get to keep it. They're not gonna change. Their situation's not going to change. And now what we're seeing is, this massive pain because, you know, without sounding insensitive, I'm not insensitive. Believe me, I care about the situation more than anyone else because I've been vocal about this for over five years now. I've been telling people in the corporates, my, my old friends, I've been, my old colleagues, I've been saying, look, upskill yourself, work out a different way to have, have a different income stream, start taking responsibility for your financial future. I've, I, and I have been rejected that many times. I've been, my advice has been neglected that many times. So if I didn't care, I would not continue to do it. I really care. It bothers me. And here we are now. The COVID-19, all it's done is it's brought the situation forward that was always going to happen. And I love the words of Warren Buffett. He says, when the tide goes out, you see who's been swimming naked. And that's what's happening right now. And my firm belief, because, you know, I have lived through a number of these types of different crises. And I have long-term memory. I don't forget things. A lot of people forget. Human, humans are very bad at remembering what happens over the long term. We've had a number of these crises happen. Now, one of the things I realized is it's not the crisis that destroys you. It's the lack of preparation that destroys you. You don't become a good sailor because you can navigate a boat in calm waters. You become a good sailor when you can navigate a boat in stormy waters. Right. So to get on a boat, get into the middle of the ocean and not expect a storm is silly. So when people say um, I was doing well and now, you know, everything's I've been wiped out. My net worth has been wiped out. My investments have, have gone backwards. I've lost my job. Hang on. Did you expect to jump into the ocean and never encounter a storm? Did you really expect that? Right. So from the beginning, when times are good, I'm always preparing and I always have a contingency and a risk management plan. Now, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying this to make people feel bad and, and elevate myself and say, look how smart I am. I did this, but I learned this from successful people. I learned that successful people, and literally it's as simple as, you know, you take this notebook here and you write down a list of every damn thing that can go wrong in your business and in your life. Interest rates can go up. Economy can crash. Employees can steal from me. I can become injured. I can become sick. Somebody, there may be a fire in my business, right? Um, you, you, li you literally think about everything that can go wrong and you will find that 80 to 90% of things that can go wrong, you can mitigate. 
you can plan for, you can address, you can manage, or you can minimize in some way. So if I don't do that, I get into business, I get into investing, and I start planning for my life, and I don't write down a list of everything that can go wrong. How can I then blame others when things go wrong? You don't get into a boat and get into the jump of the ocean and get into the, in the middle of the ocean without taking reserves with you. You take petrol with you. You take food with you. You take water with you. You take, you know, you take, uh, uh, what do you call them? The, the life belts, whatever it is. You, you take all the equipment with you when you jump in the water. You don't just go, well, I'm going to jump into this ocean. Number one, I don't know where I'm going. I have no compass, no map, no destination. I'm just going to jump and see where it goes. Number two, I will not expect a storm. It sounds ridiculous. We will never do that if we jump into the water, if you jump into the, in a boat in, in, in the ocean. We will never do that because it would be completely ludicrous. Yet, that's exactly what we do when it comes to life. Wow. I'm being blown off. I'm, I'm sure the listeners have also been blown off by it. It's so profound, Ron. And especially when you mention that we suffer due to our unpreparedness. So it is not the situation because situations will change every time. How much have we prepared to tackle all those situations and what to do for that and what we are doing with our own resources. So you talked about beliefs. Okay. You talk and you always talk about beliefs. So why do you think that beliefs are so important and how is that affecting people so much? Is it because of the conditioning that they have been going through or is it? So how does this condition come into picture because we have been gone through schools, colleges and everything. But yet when it comes to beliefs, people get shaken up. So what do you think about that? Well, beliefs, what we believe puts an invisible lid on what we're going to do and what we're going to achieve. You know, the story of you know, how they train baby elephants, you know, when they have a baby elephant, what they do is when they're trying to restrict that baby elephant, they tie it to a steel rod and they dig it into the ground. The baby elephant pulls the rod over and over and over again, eventually realizes it can't escape, so it's, it gives up. When the elephant grows bigger and bigger and bigger and becomes 10, 10 times its size, they take that steel rod out and they just replace it with a little twig and they dig it back into the ground. And the elephant never pulls on that twig because it doesn't believe it can. Now, you look at that and you think, silly elephant, except that's exactly what human beings do as well. Majority of us, have been told what we can and can't achieve. And majority, majority of that information has been passed generationally and then been spread through cultural influences, educational conditioning and media conditioning. And majority of people just believe something that comes from a person of authority, whether it was parents or teachers or someone in the media, they never question it. And then they think that that's how the world works and that's how situations work and that's how life works. And then what they do is they put themselves into this invisible prison, right? Never venturing out and even trying things to see if they work differently to what they've been told. So some of those common beliefs, for example, that people never examine, uh, it takes a lot of money to make money. That, um, you know, uh, business is risky. That you can't make money pursuing your passion, right? Um, so there are, there are all these beliefs and what these beliefs do is most of the times they're just kind of sitting in the unconscious layers of our mind, but those beliefs are deciding what we will and won't do. And because we don't question them, we just accept things at surface value at surface level, 
at face value and we don't question what they are and we just simply live our lives within this invisible prison. I mean, why would you, why would you, if you knew that information is becoming commoditized and there's 10 years worth of evidence, you can see all information is becoming commoditized. Why would you today spend $50,000, $20,000, $80,000, dollars on a degree trying to get specialized knowledge when you see the changes that are happening in the economy now, and I'm not talking about degrees like being an architect or an engineer with this special technical, specialist technical knowledge required, but right now there seems to be an oversupply of graduates and degree holders who have generic degrees and they spend all of this time and all of this money, mostly borrowed from their parents, putting their parents into debt to pursue this educational pathway, which already if they look back and they actually start thinking, has not resulted in financial success or life fulfillment for so many previous generations. Why would you do it? Well, you would only do it because the belief has been set in and that belief is preventing you from thinking for yourself. That's why you would do it. But that unfortunately compromises the whole point of education. The whole point of education is to remain in the, in the, in the position of asking questions. If you stop asking questions, you've got a problem. You're no longer educated. So, what we're seeing now is, uh, you know, I mean, Jack Ma said that 800 million jobs will be lost in the next 10 years. Uh, we've talked about the $7 trillion disruption that is expected in the job market. Uh, you know, I've mentioned it in a number of my webinars. So the issue now becomes that are people waking up now? People will be forced into things that they're not prepared for. And you have only two choices in life. Either you be proactive, and for that you have to do your own thinking, or you remain reactive means you're allowing other people to dictate your thinking. You have to choose because you are free to choose, but you're not free from the consequences of your choices. Then what is the alternate option of the conventional education system, which is after not so effective at all in real life? I think the, I think the academic education system has a place, but, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't do academic education. I'm just saying we should not only do academic education. Okay. If anyone here today believes that, hey, I've done my schooling, I've done my degree, and now I'm entitled to get a job and I'm entitled to become financially successful, you're going to be in for a rude shock because it doesn't work like that. So there are a number of skills today in the new age economy that you need to learn. You need to adapt. You need to be very fast at adapting. And a lot of people are just don't have the mindset to adapt. And even if they have the mindset, they don't have the skill set and they don't even know what skill set they need. So there's a lot of people that are half my age in their 20s. And you would think that these people, you know, would be a lot faster and they would maneuver quickly compared to somebody like me. But the thing is, it's not about the age. It's about the attitude. Because I'm not entitled, because I'm 100% responsible for everything that happens to me, I don't have the luxury to blame anybody. I must constantly be on the front foot. And that's the type of mindset that I'm trying to cultivate in my mentees that look, be always be on the front foot. Look what's happening around you. Start asking yourself all the questions. See what's working and what isn't working. And one thing that I'm really, really passionate about is financial education. I can't believe that the majority of people today in the world don't know how to keep money and how to multiply it. They only know how to make money and not even make enough. That means we have mastered survival, but we have certainly not mastered success. And you can see why I'm so passionate about success. And sometimes I get tired of people constantly pushing back and telling me that we're not here to be successful. What are you here for? To become dependent? 
to become a burden on the system, to become a burden on the government and on your family? Is that what you think it means to be an honorable and dignified citizen? So it, it just, it, it, you know, I never thought growing up that I would be here defending these things, defending people's right to become successful and fighting for it. Can you imagine? Like here you are telling people you deserve to be successful, you can be successful, and you're literally having to fight with them because they want to tell you that they can't be successful. Like, you know, it's, I mean, who would have ever thought that we will be in this type of world? So, but such is the mediocrity virus. People who are infected by it don't know they're infected by it, right? And they are not thinking for themselves. So I don't, I'm okay with sometimes disturbing people. And I say to people, I'm not, I, don't, I'm not, I don't care about your feelings. I care about your results. I care about your results. And do you want better results? And if most people are being honest with themselves, they want better results. They just don't want to admit it because admitting it means that they have to remove their ego for a little while and admit that they've been wrong. But if you can't do that, you're not going to change. So, uh, Ron, when you're talking about success and the entire development, a lot of things come into picture. One of the things that you also focus a lot is about good and, you know, well-dressing sense. So, does it, is it an also important part to becoming successful or who you are in a holistic development? I think so. I mean, I, and I'm not necessarily saying that people need to wear a suit, but I'm talking about treating your own body and your personality and your image with respect. When I see somebody who cannot be bothered making sure that they look well presented, I'm, I see somebody who doesn't care about the world. Okay. And I also see somebody with, that has a poor self-image. Now, again, I'm, I'm expecting to be attacked for this again. Because some people are going to come back and say, but not everybody has the money. Well, if you don't have the money, then that means you're not adding value in the marketplace. Go and add some value because you'll get the money. You don't have skills. That's why you don't have the money. Fix the cause, right? But the fact is, yes, why should you not be well presented? And as human beings, we are very, very prone to making snap judgments within seconds. And you, you might say, oh, I'm a good person. You know, I want, to be, I want to be recognized for my character and I want to be recognized for my knowledge you know what? People will make an assessment about you within five, seven seconds. It's not enough time for you to get your personality across or your character across or your knowledge across. So the decision in the beginning of whether they want to even get to know you and the, you know, that within seven seconds will decide a person's ability to lead a person's ability um, to, to their character within seconds. So why would you not consciously control that perception and allow other people to make wrong judgments about you just based on how you present. And presenting well doesn't mean that you have to buy expensive clothes. It just means that you have a positive self-image and you like how you look and you respect how you look and you respect your body and you respect your appearance and you put an effort to brand yourself properly. Uh, and here's the thing, people who say, well, it doesn't really matter. Well, you know what? You yourself would not go and buy something from the supermarket that was badly packaged right? Uh, especially if you want, if you, if somebody's saying, well, this is premium, you would not go into a restaurant and expect to pay good money if the meal was not served properly or if it was not packaged properly or if the, if, if the restaurant was not presented well. So why would you not hold yourself to the same standard that you expect from other people? Wow, oh, I'm just getting bombarded with some profound insights and 
you know, just absorbing in whatever you are saying. So I'm sure our listeners are also enjoying whatever they are getting from you. So you are talking about money, success, earning money, people who don't earn money. So you're a big, a big ambassador about earning money and building wealth. So my question to you is, people perceive you as a money-minded person. Are you one? And you also talk about money being spiritual. How is it so? Well, I mean, first of all, I'm under no illusion that we live in an economic world. Okay, anyone that wants to deny that, deny it at your own risk. Because you'll soon enough find out that no matter how lovely your heart, now how good your intentions, how lovely your kids are, you can't pay electricity and gas bills with it. Okay, and I don't just want to pay electricity and gas bills. I actually want to travel. I want to have the best mentors in the world. I want to have the best health care, the best medical care. I want to be able to provide for people that are around me, my family. I want to be able to make a difference in the causes that I care about. And for that, I need financial resources. So first, I don't deny something without fully understanding it. So that the realization that we live in an economic world and there is a game being played, whether we like the game or not, it's a game and you're in the game. You're in the game because as long as you're making an income, you're paying taxes and you have expenses, you're in the game. Now, you can either say, I'm in the game. I don't want to learn the game. I hate the game. No one's going to care. If you don't learn the rules of the game, you're going to lose the game. Simple as that. Or you can say, I'm going to learn the rules and I'm going to master this game because I'm in the game. You live on earth. People, please remember, you're not on Pluto. You are on earth. It has an economic system. And I didn't make the rules. The rules were already made from the time I've been born. I just decided to learn them and master them. So that's very important for me. The second thing is, if, I, if you look in nature, and you know, as you know, I, I'm not just an advocate of having financial success. I'm very much about integrating discovery of self or mastery of self with mastery of financial and business fundamentals and mastery of spiritual laws. So when it comes to spirituality and you look in nature around you, you look at the state of the universe, the universe has an amazing capability of producing abundance everywhere. If you, if you have tried to count the leaves on a tree, or you've tried to count the, 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 the grains of sand in a glass, you'll be sitting there forever. That's, and, and, and the universe's capability of replenishing the resources on the planet is amazing. So if the universe, which is, you know, or God, which is the ultimate source of creation, is abundant in nature. What makes you think that the creation, which is us, has to be scarce in nature? Why would you come to that conclusion? So the way I look at it is, number one, there is no scarcity. And we know even in economic terms, uh, trillions of dollars of new money is being produced in the world economy. And the question is this, you know, you say you're a good person, well, why don't you take some and do something good with it? rather than you being a good person and allowing the so-called bad people to take the money and do bad things with it. Where is your sense of responsibility now? I just want to see some of these good-hearted people step up and end up with some good cash so they can make the positive difference that they want to make rather than just keep complaining about the fact that they don't have any cash and that all these greedy people with cash are doing all the bad things. Why don't you get some money off them, right? If you're such a good person, get the millions, and if you don't want it, why don't you give away 97 or 98% of that money to kids' charities? You know what? It's very easy to talk. Good people don't just sit there and make judgments. They go, you know what? I'm going to get some money. I don't like this system, but I'm in this system. Let me end up with some cash. 
and then I'm going to give away 99% of my wealth. Prove to the world that you're such a good person, right? And soon enough, you'll realize how bloody difficult it is to make money because you need to be so skilled and need to add consistent value and need to solve complex problems all the time. And I did a video on this once and I said, you know, the person at base camp who is discouraging people to climb the top of the mountain is only qualified to talk about it if he's been to the top of the mountain. If you've never climbed the mountain, you have no right to stop people from climbing the mountain because frankly, you don't know what it's like and you don't know the skills that you need to build to get to the top of the mountain. So we have to understand that money is definitely spiritual because if you're a good person and you end up with lots of money, what are you going to do with it? You're going to put it to some good use. First, take care of your needs. I'm 100% advocate of, look, get money first to cover your basic expenses, then get some to cover your lifestyle expenses, then get some for your, the, the, the difference that you want to make. But if you can't even take care of your basic expenses, and then on top of that, you're denying money, how is that honorable? How is that honorable? That's just being weak. That's just saying the game is too hard. I don't want to play the game. Rather than going, the game is too hard. I'm not good enough. Let me master the game. So again, there is no sense of responsibility. And you'll see this continually. All the people who deny responsibility, because they're breaching universal laws, they remain in perpetual struggle. And they don't see that. Because nobody wants to tell them that. Because it's such a, it's such a, you know, people are so driven by feelings that the moment you tell them the truth, they don't like it. I mean, Plato said, no one is hated more than the person who tells the truth. Who's telling us lies? Let's talk about who's telling us lies. Entertainers. When we watch a movie, you watch a Hollywood or a Bollywood movie, you are not watching the truth. You're watching a character. And you're paying time and money to watch that character doing something that is not even real. Right? So you're okay with the lies, but somebody tells you the truth and says, hey, you need to take more responsibility because otherwise you're going to fail financially. You don't want the truth. Everybody says they want the truth, but majority of people actually don't respond well to the truth. And I think that's another thing that you want to change. We want to change in the world is until people confront the truth, no change can happen. That is so simple yet profound. And the analogy that you have given that people can plan out little by little next step one at a time and they can plan their entire life in different sectors and especially about the finance and the thing that we pay money for temporary pleasures. We pay money for the lies that we are seeing and enjoying for some amount of time. And then again, the reality strikes and then we go uh, down again. So that is really, really profound. So thank you for sharing that. And, and, and what, so as you know, I, you and I both, you know, we decided to take the lead role in our own movie. My life is my movie or my movie is my life. And so is yours. And you and I are playing the lead role in our movies. But a lot of these people, they're playing the extra in their own movie. But that's their choice. And Absolutely. at the moment, they're fine. At the moment, they'll say to me, Ron, but you know, I want to have some downtime. I just want to sit on the couch. I want to enjoy. Okay. Let's see how long you'll enjoy. Let's see. Don't you want this enjoyment to last your whole life? Do you just want it to last for the next few years, a few years, and then you have all this pain in life because you can't afford the life and lifestyle that you want? You can't pay for your children's and grandkids' presents. You can't pay for their weddings. You can't enjoy the, the travel that you've always wanted to do. What's going to happen then? Who's going to be enjoying them? And that's why I'm a very big fan of the quote by Jim Rohn. Casualness leads to casualties. And I'm not casual about life. 
I'm very serious about life, as you can tell. I don't take myself seriously, but I take life very seriously. I'm not casual about life. So when each individual will take, be the director of their own movie, just imagine how well they can just change the entire, everything about their own movie. So it's like you are writing the story of your own life in a blank uh, diary or you are just painting your own life in a blank canvas. So how beautiful is that? So this is again so profound. So thank you for sharing that, Ron. And the other thing is, so when, more, when people are fulfilled and they're aligned and they're on purpose, there'll be less ego. Less ego will lead to less crime, more love, more compassion, right? But it starts with responsibility. We can't just bring love and not bring any responsibility. There has to be a sense of responsibility. It's very easy for people to say, you know, oh, it's not about this. It's not about success. It's not about achievement. It's not about wealth. Well, you're only saying that because somebody has already invented the air conditioner for you. Somebody has already invented the car for you. Somebody has already got the polio vaccination for you. And now somebody is working on the COVID-19 vaccination for you. So you can easily sit there. Somebody's worked for your freedom. So everything's been worked for. So now you can sit back and say, it's not about that. But what if you had to work for any of that? Where is your responsibility? You know, that's why I'm such a huge advocate of self-responsibility because there cannot be any success unless there's responsibility first. I would also like to uh, ask you on this point that you rightly highlighted here that somebody has done something for you. So all the free things that we see in this world, be it an NGO or a free service or a charity, somebody is doing and uh, working hard to pay for those free services. That's right. And that's the same thing when the people blame wealthy people and say, well, you should give me free. Somebody had to work for it. There's no such thing as free. Somebody had to work for it somewhere. Okay. Somebody had to take a risk. Yes, there's a bit of luck in life as well, but luck favors those who have taken a risk. So again, there's a lot of people who did a lot of things. So I, my question then is those who are entitled, where is your responsibility? How can, how can we work, how can we work, live in a world like that where one half think that the other half are responsible for everything? And why do we attach honor to it? And why is it acceptable? You know, and people will defend it because they don't want to work for it because it scares them. That is the truth. That is the truth. And nobody wants to hear the truth. But you know what? This, there are more and more conscious leaders like you and other people who are stepping up and challenging conventions and going, the world is in a bad place. And it can't change if only a few people change. Okay? Every individual is first responsible for themselves. And that's why one of the sayings is, you know, one of the best things you can do for the poor is not to be one of them. How does it help the poor if you're also poor? You're creating more dependence on the government and more on the family system and more on your generations. So stop that. Break the cycle with you first. Then get some more. Then give some more. That is, if you don't, if you want to help the poor, don't be one of them. Wow, this is amazing. You spoke about people having purpose in life. So my next question to you is, what is your purpose on this planet? My, my purpose is to magnify people's power and lifestyle. I'm very, because those two things I didn't have, I was powerless and I didn't have the lifestyle that I want. When I got my own power and when I got the lifestyle, it really improved the quality of my life significantly. And so I want people to experience it. So whether I do business advisory or wealth advisory, I do mentoring, wherever we do success programs, I'm working on those two things. If I can help you build your power and I can help you build your lifestyle, 
then I know that there's a pretty good chance that most people are good people. But you can't, you don't have the opportunity to be good on a big scale when your needs are not met. So if you're feeling powerful and you don't have to worry about your bills, how good is it? Now you can pursue the higher calling because you're no longer worried about survival. When you're powerless and you don't have the lifestyle you want, you're in survival mode. People in survival mode, they are living in ego and fear because the basic needs haven't been met. When you're living in fear and when you're living in ego, you can't fulfill your greater purpose. And we can't just tell people to get out of ego. We have to give them the tools so that they can change their circumstances first. So stop arguing with me and stop telling me that you can't change your circumstances because you, you can. I have, you have some. We know we can, can't we? You have, you're a prime example of this. Absolutely. But the good thing was with you, you were open. When you came to our class and we talked about this stuff, and I'm very proud of everything that you have achieved. Thank I'm you. sure that some of the things that I said, maybe even you were not comfortable with. But you kept an open mind. Right? You kept an open mind and you kept trialing it and you believed in your mentors. And here you are now. And today you're doing some amazing things. I couldn't be prouder because I see what you have, who you've become, that character, that strength. And now people are looking up to you as an expert, as an authority, as a leader. Right? But you and I both had to be humble at some point. Humble in terms of the fact that we had to realize that we don't know enough. And if you're defending what you currently have, you're not being humble. And the worst part is you think you're being humble, but you're not. So you know what? And that's why I talk about the fact that humility, the best definition of humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And every person who is only working for themselves and their family is only thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about others. Absolutely. Even I could not have found out that even I can have a purpose or I do have a purpose and that I can actually help people coming out from my situation and everything. So if I wouldn't have been mentored by you and Dev, and I wouldn't have got into this entire process of self-development, I wouldn't have understood that what am I? I capable of or what are my potential and maybe there are more to it of course there are more to it I believe that but if I wouldn't have had that you know clash in my own mind that enough is enough now I need to do now now I need to take responsibility of my own life then I would have been in that same pit in the same grave everything and just cried and cribbed and complained like every other person out there so Thank you so much, Ron. I take this opportunity each and every time to thank you for changing my life and not just that, for listening to my problems and, you know, mentoring me to where I am supposed to go. Thank you, Sam. And thanks for having me on. And I, um, I love to, uh, you know, if you have any questions or feedback, do let me know. Yes, definitely. But uh, related to this, I have to ask you this. This is really interesting because I want to know that you have been uh, like working all across the world, Australia, US, everywhere. But recently in the past few months, not just this mentoring program, but you have been seeing in many events in India, starting from One Crore Coach, the mentorship program, It Summit, LinkedIn Local, many colleges and institutions where you gave uh, you know, your sessions and all. So what is the reason for you to start working in the Indian market? And what are your plans uh, for the people out here? 
Well, I think the first reason is because um, being born in India, you know, I see that people are ambitious and also feel that so many of them are wanting to create a better life for themselves. I love working with ambitious people. Uh, second, I understand the, the culture and I understand, you know, that there's a lot of beautiful things in the culture, but there are some things that are also limiting people and stifling people's growth. And the third thing is that in, the Indian, in India, there is a massive, you know, um, pull towards the, the academic and professional education system, which frankly needs a bit of change. Okay, or it needs to be complemented with other, other, other education. So given that our, you know, those, a blend of those three reasons, it makes, means that it's a perfect place for me to, to come and do the work that is in line with my purpose. I mean, there's a lot of people that I meet from India, young people who are feeling powerless and would love to create a lifestyle, make their parents proud, but they don't have the tools. So I'm perfectly equipped to be able to do that and, uh, and, you know, from, as a, from a business perspective, it also makes sense for us because it's a, it's a growing market and it's ripe for a change. So I enjoy, I enjoy coming there. I also like the attitude of people in terms of, you know, once people understand what, you know, what, this, what, what is wrong with the current system, a lot of them are very keen to make, start making changes. So that's the reason. I've had, a, I've had a great time. I've been, you know, been coming there for the last four years uh, consistently. We've been coming a few times a year and uh, it's been wonderful. And uh, so, yeah, it's definitely a, a place where I want to continue to work. And I know that you and I are doing things again in the future as well. And, uh, but the thing is, I'm only one person. So we need a lot more people, leaders to rise up in this space and bring different services and educate people and lead people and empower and equip people. So uh, it's basically a movement. And it's such an exciting time to be a part of it. I'm sure people would hear would love to be part of that change because it's for their betterment. So I'm all the best to you for that. And now some short answer questions. Uh, Ron, where can our listeners get your latest book, Impossible to Fail? Well, if, you, if, if your audience is in India, they're not Amazon India, but they're all also available on other Amazons. And... Um, let us know if you, uh, if, you, if you buy the book, let us know your thoughts on it. But you can connect with me on LinkedIn and Instagram and YouTube uh, where I'm also quite active. So another question is, uh, what is Ron Malhotra's dark or secret size side which no one knows yet in the public? Oh, oh. I have very high standards. and That we know. Of myself. That we know. <laughs> that that all of us know. I'm not easily satisfied. And so that comes with its own pain because, you know, a lot of people will say, you're doing so well and you're doing this and you're doing that. But for me, it's never good enough. Now, people sometimes will say, you know, but Ron, does that, isn't it good to be happy? I said, I'm very happy, but I'm never satisfied. Okay. So uh, I think that's, that's one thing about me that I would say is I'm never, ever satisfied. And I'm glad that I'm not satisfied because it allows me to push myself to get to, to higher and higher standards. So is there any other secret you want to share? Because that is something we know There's already. Secrets, I want to share them, <laughs> or maybe your, any of the dark side which you felt like, okay, now it can be shared. I don't know if I've got any dark side. I mean, you know, I, I love gangster rap. <laughs> oh wow! I'm probably a bit of a wannabe rapper. I wish part of me wishes I wish I was a I was a rapper in New York. I absolutely love those guys, and I I think they're very cool. Um, and um, 
Um, other than that, the only other thing I would say is a lot of what I have learned, I have learned from my mentors, but I've learned a lot about people and relationships and emotional intelligence I've learned from women. So, you know, I run a men's movement. Yes, the successful but, meal. That's almost what I've learned. I've learned from women. So oh. uh, people are always surprised to hear that because uh, I'm surrounded by powerful women. As you know, I'm always surrounded by strong women. And, um, you know, so much of what I have learned, I, even as the founder of a men's movement, I have learned from women. And sometimes men don't like me saying this, but it's a fact. And I think um, there is so much that we can learn from women in their ability to collaborate. They, they, um, they communicate a lot more. They have more social awareness. Uh, so it's been good because as a guy, I've obviously got the ambition and the drive, but then a lot of the emotional intelligence and social awareness secrets I've learned from women. And I think that's kind of given me a little bit of an edge it's given me in life in my career. So I would say to those men, especially who are listening to this, the women around you, you know, you can learn so much from them if you observe. And I'm not, I'm not saying this because I'm trying to please women here, but uh, I, I have reflected on this many, many times and gone, why am I a little bit more aware and a little bit more sensitive to how things happen? And that's something that I've learned from women. Wow. I, those are the secrets I'm sure people are listening for the first time. So thank you for sharing that so openly. And uh, if not an entrepreneur, teacher, author, or a vegan activist, maybe right now you also keep posting about how animals are being, you know, tortured and everything. So what would Ron Malhotra be? I think I just, I'm just a guy who wants to reduce suffering. Ultimately, I just, I, unnecessary suffering. Right? I do believe that struggles are important, but I think suffering is optional. And I'm not a vegan activist, but I do care a lot about animals and I want to do my part. I do feel very strongly about this particular issue. Um, and please understand that I'm not being opinionated here, but I've done 10 weeks of research, both all from moral considerations, from nutritional considerations, environmental considerations, and I just cannot justify in my mind the killing of animals. And we've talked about the 250 million animals, 250 billion animals killed each year. And it's unsustainable. This is, you can't be killing 250 billion animals. And I think this, this right now, this whole issue is, should hopefully make humans realize that we supposed to be living in an ecosystem, not an ecosystem. So many of us, you, I just don't think that you can claim that you're a kind person if you are unwilling to extend the same mercy and kindness to lower species. So, you know, a lot of people are not going to like me saying this, but there's so many people who talk about kindness, but if you have a dead animal on your plate, that's not kindness. Okay. And you may not have killed that animal, but you paid for that animal to be killed. So I had to start with myself. Mind you, I have had meat my whole life. I enjoy meat. I love meat. And I even felt weak. My, my body, I felt weak. But I felt that nothing could justify me deciding to take certain an animal's life just because I like its taste. And so that, that you know, as you know, we started early 2019. And now, you know, it's been... And I've gone back to having eggs... And there's been instances where I've gone to dinner or something like that, and they had nothing, so I've had it, but reluctantly. For me, it's just about minimizing the pain of animals. We can't, it's not just about minimizing the pain of human beings. It's also about minimizing the pain of all other species on the planet. And I know that just by virtual existence, we end up killing so many things. Even if we just become purely vegan, for a farmer to grow, grow vegetarian crops, 
he has to fence off everything that he's growing, which means he has to kill the rabbits and the little animals and stuff like that. But I do believe that even though we can't, we can't, you know, just by our existence, animals will suffer, we can minimize that suffering. And so I'm just trying to do my part in everything that I can. I can't really consider myself to be a conscious human being. If knowing what I know about how animals are treated, I continue to eat meat just because I enjoy it. Wow. And I especially love the part where you said that we need to live in an ecosystem and not an ecosystem. That is That's right. And we, and we hate when other humans do that to us. Yeah. Humans will complain when other humans overpower them and exploit them. Yet we have no problems in exploiting other species for our own consumption. So there's a, there's a double standard and hypocrisy there. And again, as most things I say, people don't like. But the thing is, most things that I say, if you can find another way to, if you have a way that you can counteract this argument, but think about this, the same mercy and compassion that we expect for ourselves, we are unwilling to extend to other species. Isn't that a double standard? Amazing. So Ron, it was another big aha you know, discussion we had. And thank you so much once again for coming to my show and sharing so much of deep, profound insights with our listeners. And I wish you all the best for all your upcoming endeavors. And I wish you touch and magnify more and more lives. And I am also part of it. So thank you so much, much, Ron. And I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a nice time. Thank you. That was Ron Malhotra, the human being who is magnifying the lives of millions of people across the globe, who is showing why you need to know who you are and why are you on this planet, who makes people understand the importance of their own lives, their own contribution on this planet and how money is spiritual. The human being who is not just inspiring so many lives out there but intensifying humanity in his best possible extent. I hope you found this episode inspirational.